Good morning. May have been a rainy month, but not today. There's not a cloud in the sky out there. It's really nice on this last day of 2023. uh, If you're joining us online, welcome as well. Good to see all of you. Um, Would you say God has been faithful this past year? Looking back, and you know, there's there's things that we can look back and see. God was faithful here. He was faithful there. But there's many things. Thousands of things he's been faithful we didn't even know about, uh, or he's protected us from, and and, and uh, just brought us through another 365 days, uh, but by his grace and but by his mercy. So we're looking forward to the new year, but we want to uh, just make the most of today's service and this final uh, worship uh, time that we have together this morning in the Word. Uh, how many of you uh, went out of town for Christmas? Raise your hand. How many went out of town for Christmas? Welcome back. I know we've got people that were here last Sunday, and they're now out of town. So uh, it's been that you know that time of year where some people uh, go see family before or after. We did drive all the way to Palatan, so that was uh, exciting. <laughs> out where Russ lives, it's uh, really neat out there if you've never been out there before. Um, but uh, we had a good Christmas. Hope you guys did too. I hope you've got things you're going to use in the new year, gifts you actually will enjoy and like. I know the kids had a great time. It's always fun to see that excitement. We don't have any little ones anymore, so I, I got to see them, y'all's little ones. But uh, but we had a good time last week. I hope you did as well. And uh, just visiting family, seeing people you haven't seen, that's always a blessing. Having some, We had people last uh, Sunday was Christmas Eve, so we had people visiting with us that were from out of town, other churches, and that's always uh, a blessing as well to have uh, other people here. Um, before we get into our study in the Word and our final uh, time in the Word this morning, uh, just a reminder, we've been doing this last several years, our Wednesdays in the month of January are prayer nights. If you're able to fast those Wednesdays, uh, we would encourage you to do that as well. Uh, that's certainly up to you, and, uh, yeah, but uh, if you're able to fast with us on those Wednesdays, we'd encourage you to do so, and uh, we'll be obviously here this coming Wednesday. We're going to do a couple things of a few different things on these prayer nights. I think they'll be really um, uh, just times that will honor the Lord in, in, in various ways. So they might be a little different each Wednesday. And uh, I think that will be something that uh, will be well received. And I believe the Lord will honor it. And just uh, met with some other pastors. And uh, in early December, we talked about various ways that uh, God is using prayer meetings uh, in their churches. We kind of compared notes and things. So we'll do some things this coming Wednesday that I believe. Uh, will really be a blessing as we lift up our intercessions and praises to the Lord. So this Wednesday, start the year off, uh, come out 6.30, and all the other Wednesdays as well. I didn't have a slide for it, but next Sunday, uh, officially, uh, Zach comes on staff tomorrow. But he's off tomorrow, and I'm off tomorrow, and you're, hopefully you're off tomorrow. But, uh, but uh, officially, he kind of comes on tomorrow. But next Sunday, we'll have an ordination for uh, Zach, and we'll bring Lee and him up here and pray over them. That's next Sunday. We're excited about uh, what God has in store for, uh, for them, for us bringing them back from India, and, uh, and to have someone on our pastoral staff that spent over a decade on the foreign mission field, learned a second language, and has a heart for, uh, you know, 
people out well outside the United States and the Muslim world, which they really minister to, is, is a real blessing to us and an asset as well as we continue to try and reach Richmond, but also the world for Jesus. Uh, speaking of uh, the Muslim world, today, today, you know, we pray for one nation in addition to our own for revival, and I chose Nigeria. Uh, if, if you haven't watched the news, as a matter of fact, if, even if you did watch the news, because uh, Nigeria doesn't make much news in America, um, uh, we have wall-to-wall coverage about what's going on in Gaza, and, and obviously that is a massive situation, and, and that's understandable. Uh, but in Nigeria, over the last four, 14 years, 52,000 uh, 52, Christians have been killed uh, by the Islamic uh, terrorists in Nigeria, 52,000. Uh, but that doesn't make much news in America. We decide in the media whose lives actually matter and whose lives don't matter. And uh, the Nigerians' lives matter just as much as people in Gaza and Israel, and God loves them just as much. And so we want to pray for Nigeria. The believers there uh, are under great persecution uh, and uh, difficult. Uh, it's hard for us to comprehend when uh, a couple thousand Christians are slaughtered um, on uh, their celebration of Christmas, and so we don't have that here, but uh, we, we are called in the Scriptures to uh, pray for those that are under persecution. So as we pray for revival in our own country, uh, we will pray for Nigeria. And I do continue to pray for what's going on and the peace of Jerusalem and that the people in Gaza would turn to Jesus and the people in Israel would turn to Jesus. And so that is the, that is the only solution for peace in that part of the world. It's the only solution for peace in any part of the world is for people to turn to Christ. Amen? So uh, as we've been doing for... Uh, a long time now, uh, ever since the pandemic, we've been getting on our knees. Uh, it's a little harder in this service, I understand that. And by the way, as Dr. Russ mentioned, next week, 8.30 service. I see some of you 8.30 people here. We will be here next Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45, although some of you have told me you really kind of like this 11 o'clock slot. You know, like, uh, I don't know how why 15 minutes makes so much awesomeness in your life, but it does. I mean, people are like, the little things in life, an extra 15 minutes, so... Uh, you know, may, who knows? Maybe, maybe someday we look at that. But uh, as of now, it's still going to stay 10:45. Uh, so that that'll be next Sunday. And uh, but we want to just go ahead and uh, pray and uh, pray for revival for our country. It did not come this year, but people still got saved. Amen. There were some individual. Anytime a person gets saved, that's an individual revival. A one soul matters. Uh, to the Lord. And so we did not see a revival in the body of Christ. We didn't see an awakening in our country. Uh, and we still need it desperately. And we've got a wild and crazy year coming up in 2024. Anytime there's a presidential election in this country, and we've never seen a time in our country like this where we are as divided, we're, we're almost as divided as pre-Civil War. It's just a little more under the surface. But we are that divided. Um, philosophically, what people, what their values are, uh, very, very divided, uh, but it's a little, it's, it's, it's not so much under the surface, but a lot of it's under the surface, and uh, there's no telling what could happen in the, in the coming year, uh, but we keep praying that people would turn to Jesus, amen, and the word of God has the power to open eyes and soften hearts, and I don't care what side of the aisle, everyone needs to repent, that's, that's for sure. So let's pray, and if you're able to get on your knees, go for it, if you can't, uh, don't feel comfortable with that, then just sit right there and pray with us. About 30 seconds of silence, and of course I'll pray for Nigeria as well.
Father, we bow this, this final time as the body of believers here at Calvary Chapel, Richmond, this final Sunday, this final opportunity to bow together, and Lord, just to implore your spirit to move among us. Lord, even in this room, we ask that you would create in us a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. We ask that you forgive us in this room of our lukewarmness, of our attraction to the things of this world, Lord, of our own sins, of our own things that we overlook, and yet we don't overlook others. So, Lord, we ask that you would please forgive us in this room for our many transgressions, many iniquities. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for the mercy seat, which is where you told Moses to meet you, Lord. And we ask that you would continue to have mercy upon us, and Lord, that you would change us. We want to be changed more than we currently are. We know if we've been born again, we have eternity in heaven, Lord, but we want to be more conformed to the image of Jesus. So we pray that you'd revive, renew, and restore each and every person in this room. Lord, if, if there's any that have slidden away from you, that they would come back and return to their first love, even today. Don't wait till 2024, but do it today. Lord, we pray that in America, Lord, there'd be a great turning back to you in the churches of this country. Lord, pulpits that have stopped preaching your word would return to the word. Lord, uh, Lord, we'd see just believers seek you first in your righteousness, and everything else would be added after that. Lord, we pray that uh, in our country where there's so much darkness and so much idolatry and, and people not only turning from you, but literally running from you, Lord, we pray that uh, they would come to their senses, Lord, that uh, there would be a wave of repentance in our country from the highest levels to those that have no power. Lord, we pray that we'd have friends and family members and neighbors, that we, co-workers that we've been praying for for a long time. This would be the year that they would be saved and be ready in case, Jesus, you return. In case you'd return for each of us, because we also have an appointment with death. And, Lord, we want to be ready for that. We pray for a revival in this country, revival in this church, a great awakening in this nation. We pray for the nation of Nigeria, Lord. We're thankful that those that died a martyr's death are never to suffer again. They are with you in heaven. But, Lord, we pray that you comfort their family members. We pray that you comfort those that are grieving. You'd heal those that uh, still have wounds that could be healed. We pray that you would turn the hearts of those that are bent on hatred, and they would also receive your salvation, your mercy, your grace. Lord, that you would turn uh, those that are uh, bent on murder and jihad, Lord, that they would turn to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would uh, bring peace and salvation to Israel and to Gaza and both uh, the Muslim world there and the Jewish world, that they would turn to the true and living Savior, the Lamb of God. Lord, we just thank you uh, that we can lift these things up to you. We pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, lift them up, and Lord, we pray that you would bring them your strength, your peace, your presence. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for praying. Turn with me once you find your seat. It should be right in front of where you were at, so it's right there. Uh, once you find your seat, turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 1, John chapter 1, and Revelation chapter 19. So the very beginning of the Bible, the middle of the Bible, and the end of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, John chapter 1, and Revelation chapter 19. Those three places. 
at least the first two are probably very familiar to almost everybody. While you're getting yours, I'll also turn there myself. Okay, so Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said... Let there be light, and there was light. Keep your, uh, or go ahead and move over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, so that was Genesis chapter 1. John chapter 1, starting also in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Well, really, the focus there is, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was God. Over to Revelation chapter 19. Our last passage, Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. This is Jesus coming in, coming into the earth out of the heavens. Verse 13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, the one who created this universe just by speaking it into existence. And in the beginning was your son, and your son was with you, and your son was you, and your son is the word of God, and he has a name, his robe dipped in blood, the word of God. And Lord, we might hear that often, but we do not understand the magnitude of what we've just read, and we won't until we see you face to face. But we pray, Lord, you give us a little more glimpse of it this morning, the power of your word, the necessity of your word, and, Lord, that we would come closer to meditate upon, feed upon, and abide in your word. And it would start even this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And I pray for your help, your strength, and your anointing. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, before anything that we can see or hear or touch ever came into existence. It was God's spoken word that was the force behind the creation of everything on earth and everything throughout the universe. Can you imagine God just speaks and stuff happens? Matter comes into existence. Light, we couldn't even know what light is. We couldn't make up the concept of light. God spoke and light came forth. Before there was a sun, before there were, was the moon, before there were the stars, he said, let there be light before the host of heaven. The breath of God, the word of God produced light. Followed by his spoken creation of everything else. After light, everything else that he created over the next six days with his final creation, he breathed life into man. But his word, 
right out of the gate was doubted and disobeyed and death ensued. Mankind was deceived by false and twisted words rather than trusting the word of God that had given them life and a literal paradise to be enjoyed. And as the word was rejected, sin and pain replaced serenity and peace. Over the next 4,000 years from creation to the cross, God would give his word to the prophets, which became the written word of God, also known as the scriptures. The written words are God's gracious instructions of how to escape sin and death by faith through salvation. The whole Bible points to that. Amen? Amen. That's why Jesus is there in John, and we see him again in Revelation. The whole Bible points to the way of salvation, which was fully revealed not by a pen, but by a person, Emmanuel. We looked at the coming, the incarnation last week of God in human flesh. We've looked at over the past two weeks. Uh, John tells us that Jesus' coming to the earth was the very word of God, the word made flesh. The same word that created all things became human flesh. I think it is well beyond our comprehension. I know it's beyond my comprehension to describe how the spoken word becomes the visual presence of God in the person of Jesus. Is that beyond your comprehension? How the spoken word becomes the one who would die on the cross. But if he spoke everything into existence, and he did, we can see that the word physically stepping into this fallen world is very much in line with how God worked from the very beginning. Nothing, seemingly nothing, is there. The, the breath of God creates all these things. So Jesus can actually take any form, including our form, to come and redeem us, which underscores John starting back at the beginning. And John was going all the way back to the beginning to help us understand that the word that spoke the world was the one coming into the world as the word. But John writes one final book, which we've read from, of God's written word, which we see there in Revelation 19, and it is Jesus, his robe dipped in blood, a reminder of his sacrifice, and he's flying through the heavens on a white horse, if you read the rest of the passage there, leading the armies of heaven, I plan to be, I have a horse, I just haven't met him yet, but it's up there, and if you're saved, you have one too, and even if you don't like riding horses, you finally will. My experiences were bad and boring, so, but this one will not be either of those, but he'll be leading the armies of heaven to judge the world, and as John is informed, then he writes it for us. That the name of Jesus is the word of God. The word that was rejected at the beginning, rejected when he became flesh, and continues to be rejected by millions around the world, even right this morning, 
all the way until the day of the Lord, is the very witness against a world that chooses worthless words, empty words, and deceptive words, rather than the word of God that has the power to save and also has the power to condemn. And we don't like to hear that word, but it needs to be preached and taught in this country and around the world. But if you've come to the word, if you've believed by faith in the word made flesh, by and through his gospel, which is in his word, you now have the word of God written on your hearts. And it's an anchor to your entire life. I felt led to finish this final Sunday morning, this final service of 2023, with the word being essential to every single thing we do. My personal life is built on the word of God. How about yours? Because Jesus is the word. And because he gave us his word. This ministry, Calvary Chapel Richmond, this ministry is built on the instruction of God's word, the teaching of God's word, the application of God's word. We're not going to be perfect in any of those, but we're going to do our best to cling to the word. Amen? Amen. This past year was guided by the infinite word of God, which is the title this morning, God's infinite word. And this coming year, guess what? We're going to be guided by the word again. And the year after that, and the year after that, and hopefully Jesus comes the year after that, you know. <laughs> that'd be great. Or anywhere in between, it'd be great. Without the Word of God, we as a church are, are at best a social gathering without the Word of God. That's what's happening in this country. They've replaced the Word of God with Instagram or whatever. And individually, without the Word of God, we are very open to Satan's schemes in our life. Can I get an amen to that? Without the Word of God, you're very open to Satan's schemes. But with the Word, we have the words of eternal life, the words of how to live. We have the counsel needed for every single day of our life. And I want to encourage us this morning by looking at seven aspects. I think the system just went out, but the Word is still going forth, so <laughs> when it comes back up, Picture, if you will, seven aspects. I'll read them to you. It's not these only seven aspects. I don't have time to cover 70 aspects this morning. There we go. There they are. Those are the seven I'm going to cover this morning. There are more than seven aspects of the Word of God. There are an infinite number of aspects to the Word of God, but we will look at seven. It's perfect, perpetual, pure, powerful, prophetic, personal, and protective. That is the seven things that we'll look at, the seven aspects of the Word of God. This first one, perfect, and I don't know if, is mine working now? It's not working. We'll move it okay, thank you. Quite all right. I'm good. So perfect. In Psalm 19.7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You cannot convert people with your really good logic. Well, if I just come at them from this angle, Amen. 
I've tried all those. And, then the, and you, you can be noble in your effort, but it's the word of God that's perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I, without the Lord's help, I am very simple. How about you? Uh, worse than simple. Sinful. The law of the Lord is another name for the word of God. In Psalm 119, there's various names for the word of God, and the law of the Lord is one of them. Uh, there is n absolutely nothing that could improve or add to the word of God. Nothing. Amen. If a person says, well, if the Bible explained this or that, then I'd believe it. No, they wouldn't. Not true. There's nothing that could be added for anybody on earth that would actually make the Bible more receptive or more attractive. It's perfect and sure exactly as God gave it. In Psalm 119, 96, he says, I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The word of God is the picture of perfection and God's commandments cover every aspect, the broad aspects of life. God's commandments are covering everything you need for life and godliness. This book and the commands within them are the only perfect thing you're going to hold in your lifetime. When you hold a Bible, and I'm holding one right now, uh, it's got all kinds of rips and tears, but the contents are perfect. Amen? Amen. As a matter of fact, a weathered, messed up Bible is, usually belongs to a life that is not messed up. Second, perpetual. The Word of God is everlasting. Perpetual is evergreen. It never ends. It's constant. It's eternal. The Word of God is everlasting. It will never cease to testify of itself and the glory of God. In Psalm 119.89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. No person that doesn't believe in the Bible can't reach up into heaven and remove it. It's settled there. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Yes. Isn't it sad when you see people that, you know, they have it all in this lifetime, and you know that one second after they die, nobody even, you know, a lot of famous people died last year. Most people about 20 minutes later have moved on. But the word of God stands forever. In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by, by no means pass away. All the books, all the articles, all the magazines, all the websites, all the social media posts, all the TikToks that are popular for about 10 seconds. Anything that ever came from mankind is going to be gone someday. You realize that, right? Yes, yes, yes. All of our collective knowledge and wisdom, it'll all be gone someday. But God's word will never fade. That's what he says about his own word. Never going away. Ever. It'll be admired for eternity. And if you're in heaven, you will admire the word of God. And I believe the Bible says the books are open. They're, I don't know how, but I believe God will have some copy of the scriptures that all of us will see. Obviously, Jesus is the living word, but there's also the written word. 
but it's perpetual, it's eternal. That should give us a confidence to stand upon it. The next one, it's pure. In an impure world, and we live in a very impure world, we're impure. Uh, we're only purified by the Lord, but in an impure world, we have the purity of God's word to set our minds on. Isn't it good to know that we have something that we can set our minds that kind of cleans everything out? What a blessing to read this purity now, which has a purifying work in our lives. And Psalm 12, 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Psalm 119, 40, Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. Now, let's be clear, a lot of us, at times, we don't really love the word of God. We love other stuff. And we have to be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, right now, I don't really love your word. What I really love is my hobby. What I really love is what I want to do with my, me time. What I really love is my sports team. What I really love is my career. If you're not honest, you're fooling yourself because God already knows where we're at. Say, Lord, I want to love your word. Because it's, only, it's the only thing pure in this world. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This book is the only place you'll find all of those things. Anytime we need something pure and holy to meditate on and to fix our minds on, we can pick up this book. We should be picking up this book. And by the way, when you do pick up this book, you realize how off-kilter your mind may be, right? You start to read it and say, wow, I really needed that. Because we don't realize how poisoned we are from the world around us. It seeps in like we're a sponge no matter, whether, no matter what. It's getting into us the filth of this world. The word has a purifying work. Next one. Powerful. The word of God, it's powerful. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It is a discerner and thought of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 2 Corinthians 6.7, by the word of truth, by the power of God. And Isaiah 55.11, so shall my word be. Be that it goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There's many other verses. Uh, by the way, if you're, if a verse to come into your head, that's great. There's other verses I could have used. There's not enough time to cover them all this morning. But the word, it's, it's powerful to bring the conviction of sin. Sometimes you don't even, you don't have a, there's maybe something you're not even convicted of. You didn't even realize you had just gossiped. You thought you were just sharing information. You thought you were just informing somebody. You thought you were just helping them clarify the situation. And then you read the word of God, you're like, oh, that was none of those things. That was my trap opening up. We've all done this. Don't act like you haven't. Your family will call you out. 
but it's powerful enough to bring conviction of sin, and, and it's powerful enough to bring the truth of the gospel. Even if you were already saved, it reminds you not to neglect so great a salvation. While it has inherent power, it refutes and rebukes those that reject the word of God. Even if they don't know it's rejecting. Or if they don't know they're rejecting, they don't know they're being rebuked. They are. But the power of God's word, it's never going to return void. Isn't that great to know? If you just share a verse with someone and you say, Lord, put on my heart, and they never even responded to my text. They didn't even act like they got it. Some of you aren't good about responding. You know who you are, too. That's okay. The word is never going to return void. It's always going to have the impact that God intends it to have. It either changes people by faith and obedience, or it also can harden people who continue to resist the truth of God. And that's why we have to keep opening up that we stay soft to the word of God. Those that believe the power of the word and the gospel are then used by God to come to those that would refuse the word of God. So he continues to sow the word in us and the power of the word is then placed in us so we can go to those that are either ignorant to the word of God or resisting it or refusing it, but it's not going to return void even if we say, well, I already shared with them and they never really will listen. Then you pray the word of God. We're doing this coming Wednesday night. You look at the words of Revelation 6, 9. It's up on the screen. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They were slain in the tribulation period. Those that come to Christ, they will be slain because of the word of God, because they will believe the word of God and the whole rest of the world will reject the word of God. Those that come to Jesus in the tribulation, they're going to be hated for their faith, but they're also going to be hated for their adherence to the word of God. Already in this country, people are starting to get really annoyed by people who believe in the word of God. Because the word of God does not compromise with all the things that society is all of a sudden okay with. The truth of scriptures and Christ himself is going to infuriate the world to the fact that they are going to kill people and people are going to love it. The, society, the world society is going to become uncivilized and yet it will, be, it will be condoned as if it's the civil thing to do. Just like it was under Stalin or Hitler or Mao. That'll happen. Jesus is going to judge the world in Revelation 19 because of their rejection of the word of God. He's coming to trample the winepress, which is actually the armies of the earth. John Wycliffe, you guys all heard of John Wycliffe, right? I, had, I, I knew he had died on um, New Year's Eve, but I totally forgot about it. But he died... 639 years ago today, December 31st, 1384. John Wycliffe was a professor at Oxford, an incredibly gifted man, learned man, uh, but he began to believe that it wasn't the Pope, it wasn't the Cardinals, it wasn't the priest, it wasn't the dogma. He came to the conclusion that the only thing that could be trusted on planet Earth 
was the word of God. And he was hated by the religious establishment because he had the audacity to trans translate into the common English language so commoners could read the Bible. He was well before John, uh, well before Martin Luther. John Huss came later as well. But he believed that unless the word of God was unleashed, that all kinds of things would be prevalent and people would be deceived and there would be all kinds of bondage and sin, both in the religious establishment as well as people that were in the pubs and everywhere else. And, and of course, he was right. The word of God is that powerful. He translated it. And we all benefit today because he translated because after other translators followed and he took a great uh, risk to his own life, many threats on his life. Some of the guys that came after him, like John Huss, was executed and martyred for the faith. But um, several decades after, I can't remember, uh, several decades after John Wycliffe had died, this is how powerful the word of God is and how it infuriates Satan's minions. They dug up his body and ground his bones into powder and threw them into a river because they wanted to make the point that how much they hated him. So they dug up his bones, ground him, threw him into a river, and then people of God, the people of God, the church, saw it as a metaphor, which I see the metaphor that they see, is that God was showing that his life had touched the whole world. Because once you throw something in a river, rivers go into bays, bays go into oceans, and then everything goes everywhere. And so his molecules went all over the world, and God was saying, that's what my word did. Because today, you still have Bibles that say Wycliffe on the, on the Bible and everything. All of that is still a testament that because he believed in the power of God's word, God says, your life will touch the world. And even in their hatred, all they did was fulfill that God had spread the word all around the world, not just language-wise. The next, if you're taking notes, prophetic. You guys agree the word of God is prophetic. And 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 19 and verse 21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then in Revelation 1, 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things, those things which are written in it, for the time is near. We've talked about this a lot. The scriptures are a prophetic book. At least a quarter of the Bible is prophecy, things that would come. Now, all scripture is prophetic in the sense that it's all God-breathed. So anytime prophecy was the, God, the breath of God given to the prophets of God. So they were actually writing or saying whatever God said. So all scripture is prophetic in that sense. But when we think about the future prophetic, about 25% of the Bible is future prophetic, things that would come to pass, and many of them already have, some of them yet to come to pass. But only the scriptures are 100% accurate. Amen? Amen? Not Nostradamus. No matter how many times you watch him on the History Channel, he got a lot of things wrong. And if their spelling's wrong, it's wrong. It does not even matter. Close doesn't have, work in horseshoes either, by the way. Only the Bible is 100% accurate, and as we get closer uh, by the day, and we are getting closer by the day to the return of Jesus, 
we're going to need to be opening up the prophetic promises, which is why I try and several times every year to focus on certain things that are prophetic in the Bible to remind this day and age that these things must come to pass. The word is prophetic and the warnings are there. And he's telling us rather plainly to read the book of Revelation. And there's a blessing to reading it. And it's not just about the book of Revelation. It's all prophecies are kind of covered under that umbrella as well. And that includes both the promises and the warnings. By the way, I like warnings. I like if somebody says, you know what? I'm an inspector, and I just was visiting your house, and uh, I noticed if you don't fix this, it could burn your house down. I appreciate that. I was like, how dare you? That's a very offensive thing for you to do. I would prefer to live in ignorant bliss and just have it burned down. So I prefer... The prophetic warnings of God. How about you? So we, if we love people, true love warns, and the Bible does. It's a prophetic book. It has the promises, but it also has the warnings. The next, if you're taking notes, personal. Personal. Uh, Psalm 119. So uh, God's word is written to the world, but it's also written to you. Put your name in there. Me. Personal. Jesus came to you personally. His word is for you Personally, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, in his word do I hope. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus speaking, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man or woman, who built his house on the rock. The word speaks to us personally. It's my feet, my path, my soul. Wise man, not men, but man or woman, singular. He's speaking to us singularly. If you, another passage, it's really good to read. Start the earth, is Psalm chapter 1. Right? Blessed is the man. Starts off there. Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but he meditates on the word day and night. Be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. God speaks to us personally. He, he wants us to, uh, and even if you and I read the same passage, he's never going to say anything false. It's all going to be true, but you might get a different tip of the arrow, so to speak, then I get. I might get something that speaks to this phase of my life, and you get something that speaks to another. I can preach the same message, and if people come up afterwards and say, this spoke to me, I'm like, I didn't even really preach on that. Someone will say this, and because the Word of God has the power to speak to you personally. In John 15, Jesus was with the disciples there in the upper room. John 15, verse 7, 8, he said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Uh, if his word abides in us, we can have the confidence we're going to bear fruit. We're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to grow in the work of the Spirit. The personal word comes by the word himself. When Jesus is the word of God, we know that's his name. And he says, if my words abide in you, that you are abiding in the word of God, but his words are abiding 
in you and you have this personal promise of one, relationship, and two, fruitfulness. Relationship and fruitfulness. And by the way, even the very beginning when Adam and Eve were put together, God said, be fruitful, multiply the earth. Relationship should result in fruitfulness. A relationship with Jesus will result in other disciples, but also result in the fruit of the Spirit. More peace, more joy, more love, more faith, all of these things. Personal. And the last this morning, if you're taking notes, protection or protective. Uh, in Psalm 119.11, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In Psalm 19.11, moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. The scriptures, I think you would agree, they protect us. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin again. The word of God convicts you. Oh, yeah, I just read this morning that. Lord, thank you for that reminder. It's a shield. It corrects us. It definitely corrects us, doesn't it? Corrects our attitude. Corrects our lack of love. You ever get corrected like you are lacking compassion? I get that one. Lord's like, you're not soft enough to the things that I'm soft to. You don't care enough about the things I care about. You don't grieve enough for these situations that I want you to. So the word corrects our attitude, corrects our mind, corrects our hearts, corrects our thinking, corrects our priorities, corrects our habits. And it warns us. It warns us that, hey, you're open to schemes of Satan, which we talked about at the beginning. You, you are vulnerable. It does all these things to us personally, but guess what? It also does it for us as a church. That's why this pulpit must teach the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Because it has to protect us. It has to correct us. It has to warn us. But it also has to encourage us. It does all of these things. D.L. Moody said this, and it stuck with many, the Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. If you have not been in the Word of God daily, you're making a huge mistake. Well, I already know that I already heard enough verses for a lifetime. Really? Go ask David about that. Right? He wrote a lot of the scriptures. He'd be the first to tell you, wake, shake out of this. Right? Get back in the Word of God. Amen? Every day. Do you eat every day? Do you drink water every day? You need the word every day. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Uh, all of us have to feed. All of us have to rely on. All of us have to apply God's word in our life. Every single person. There's not, there's not a substitute for it. Remember, it's the power that spoke light. Remember, it's the word made flesh. Remember, he's called the word of God. The, the, the Bible is informing us of how powerful it is. To neglect it is foolish why Jesus said you had to build on the rock, not on sand. And in this church, we must faithfully teach and preach the scriptures no matter what society or this world decides to do in 2024. 
we have to preach it no matter what they decide to do. And they've already made some really bad decisions, and they're going further down those paths, but we're going to keep preaching the Word of God. Personally, we need God's Word as if we've just been born again brand new. Remember when, when you first got saved and you started devouring the Word of God? You've got to get back to that. I've got to get back to that. We have to get back to that. Peter said this in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow by there. There's no one, Peter would say to any one of us, hey, if you have stopped desiring it like when you were brand new saved, that is a warning, that's a check in your spirit that you have kind of neglected the word of God. And so you need to come back to it and resubmit to it and re, oh yeah, appreciate it, Lord. But do you and I truly believe in the life-changing power of God's infinite word? Uh, I've read a lot of verses in a short period of time. Do you believe those verses? I don't know how many times I've read the entire Bible. I, some people have kept count. I have not. I know I've read through it numerous times. I don't know the total number of times I've read from Genesis to Revelation, every verse, uh, sometimes in sequence, sometimes out of sequence. I just... this. Recently, I've finished the New Testament. I'm, uh, tomorrow, I'm starting back with the Old Testament, I'm starting right back with Genesis. I do that outside of my studies, outside of Acts, Joel, coming up the study of Joshua. I don't know how many times I've read the Bible, but I do know this. I need to read it all again. That's what I know. I need to read all of it again. As long as I'm alive, I need to read all of it again, or as much of it as I can before Jesus returns. Because here, it's always fresh. It is limitless in power. Do you believe that? And it's the only way to keep growing. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is, in fact, infinite. Forever settled in heaven. But, Lord, we want it forever settled in our hearts. We want to have an open Bible with open hearts. And, Lord, that you do open heart surgery on us by your word. In our minds, renewed by your word, purified by your word, corrected by your word. That we would be perfected by the person of Jesus, the living word. So, Lord, we pray that as we come to this final day of this year, we're, we're grateful that you've been gracious to us. But, Lord, we pray that we would resubmit to being people of the word of God, to opening your word, to, to highlight it, to read it, to, to meditate on it, to memorize it, whatever it takes, Lord, to keep your word centered in our life. And Lord, we know that your spirit will then uh, illuminate the word and will actually remind us of it throughout the day and will transform us. For your word has that power, but you've given us not just your word, you've given us the Holy Spirit living in us, and we're so grateful. And so, Lord, I just pray over your people here this morning. I pray that each and every person in their hearts would make their own decision to say, I am going to dedicate my life to studying the word like I haven't done before or like maybe I once did when I first got saved. Lord, that we would see the fruit of it in the weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.